Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I pray that you are well, always, always, always. Um, the world is going a bit crazy. I don't blame it, but um, we're we're waiting for God to intervene. And uh, beloved, if you're within the sound of my voice, of LifeSite News, of the Station of the Cross, uh, this coronavirus is indeed a chastisement. Uh, because we've turned from God, but um, look at what's happening now uh, with the riots all over the country uh, and uh, with the um, the killing of that uh, gentleman uh, in uh, Minneapolis. It's it's coming upon us and. God allows all these things. He doesn't cause them, but he is allowing them. And he's, I don't know how much more patient he's going to be. Um, But I think we are calling down on ourselves a greater chastisement than the coronavirus, which Our Lady of Fatima promised that we would have if we did not repent and turn, turn back to God. So, I think we're in very, very great trouble. Um, the reaction of people all over the country to that horrific um, killing uh, is understandable, but it is uh, uh, people have lost a sense of morals, um, of what is right and wrong, of how to handle things. They're frustrated. Um, and I, again, I cannot say I blame them uh, for um, for their response. You know, if I did not have Christ in my life, I cannot tell you what my response would be. But I can tell you that for 10 years, I was a women's jail chaplain in my Protestant years. And I had women, 2,000 of them in the jail, I had women um, who were uh, thieves or stole money for drugs and prostitution um, all the way to murderers and baby killers and uh, all kinds of situations. And as I met them, uh, each one of them, my office was a cubicle that uh, is smaller than um, uh, just a tiny room, just a tiny room. It fit one desk and one file, my chair and the inmate's chair, and that's it. Very, very small. And the door locked. Whenever an inmate came in, the door locked, and just the inmate and I were there. And people said to me, aren't you afraid? I mean, you're sitting there with a murder for the first time. You're sitting there with all these other kinds of 
people who have committed all kinds of crimes. Aren't you afraid? And I was never once afraid. And I would say to them, you know, I'm no different. But for the grace of God, I believe, now I can't prove this and I don't ever want to prove it, but that for the grace of God, there is nothing that anyone is capable of in this world that I'm not capable of. Whether people agree or not is not an issue to me. I know that. I know that. Um, And I didn't have to have the background these inmates had, and I didn't have their background, but I didn't have to have that background to know what it's like to, to live a life without meaning, without purpose, and without hope. That I know. Now, how you work that out is different in cultures and circumstances, but I know what that's like. I had no fear at all. I was them. I was them. And it was, a, and it was a, I don't know how to say, a happiness, um, a great happiness, even an honor for me to be able to help them for 10 years. I used to meet them when they got out, thrown out of jail when they were released at midnight with no clothes, no, except what they had on, no resources, nothing in the jail was in a horrible area of Los Angeles, and that's where they were. And sometimes their pimps came to pick them up, and uh, or gangs or whatever it was, and they were in the same position they were uh, back again before they got arrested. Um, I know what it's like. And many of them, a few months later, after they were out, when I was there the first year, they would be back. They'd be released in September, let's say. And in December, I'd see them because it was a a form of honor farm. If they had a sentence under a year, well, I was in the main county jail for seven years, but then I was transferred to sort of an honor farm where where the inmate, and the only 700 of them were the inmates were already sentenced, but if their sentence was under a year, they could serve it out there. And so the women would be released, let's just say, I'm thinking of um, the particular few who had been released in September, and I saw them back the beginning of December, end of November, beginning of December, and they had a couple hours free on the compound where they could just walk around. And I would walk, and they would see me, and they'd run. Chaplain Moss, they called me Rosalind Moss, my given name, before I was Catholic, before I was a sister. And they'd say, Chaplain Moss, and they'd run across the compound and hug me. And I'd say, what are you doing here? What are you doing back in here? And they'd say, Chaplain, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. In other words, where else would they want to be but home, the inmates' holiday inn, home, in in jail, where they had uh, beds, clean linens, meals, everything they needed. They knew how to act. They knew how to behave. They knew how to get along. Uh, they knew the ropes, so to speak. And they were home. They were with people who accepted them, who understood them, and they could rest. It was Christmas. Oh, what a lesson that was to me. And it, it, it got to be that when the next Christmas came around, if I didn't see a number of them, I would ask the inmates, where's so-and-so, where's so-and-so? And I would learn this one was stabbed, this one was killed, this one such and such. How awful. 
They knew how to get arrested for Christmas. They all knew how to get arrested, not a problem. It was the heartbreaking thing. When I saw them back, I breathed a sigh of relief. I knew they were safe. That's pretty backwards, isn't it? But when I didn't see them, my heart would just break. Where? What happened to them? Where are they? And I would look for them on the outside, and I would find out that they were dead or took an overdose or something like that. The world is hurting, beloved. The world is hurting. And the only the only solution is God. The only solution is God. Many people, what did Mother Teresa say? She said the suffering, the poverty in the United States is worse than India because loneliness is a poverty. And people are desperately lonely here, desperately without purpose and meaning and alone. It's an awful thing. I know it, and I know what it is to feel that way. And why God poured his loving grace on me, I don't know. I don't know. I'll never be able to thank him for a thousand eternities. But I want everyone to know I live, I exist 24-7 for nothing else but that the world would know our Savior and his church. I exist for nothing else. And, And you might say, well, don't you exist for heaven? Well, by the grace of God, I do. But I'll tell you, if God said, Mother Miriam or Rosalind or whatever he calls me, um, you can come up to heaven today. I'm going to tell you what I'd say to him, and I'm not too fearful of saying it because he knows, he knows already. Um, I'd say, Lord, could you wait? Could you wait? Because the world doesn't know you yet. I want to be here. If it's 10 million years, as long as one person does not know Christ. I want to be here. So um, it's it's may not sound uh, sane to you, but it I'm just giving you my heart. There's no solution to any problem in the world except turning to God. It's the only solution. Um, uh, there's the music for our first break, beloved. Um, we'll be back right after the break, and I'm going to continue to read... Uh, a bit of the wonderful talk that Bishop Athanasius Snyder gave last week at the Roman Life Forum, and I'd still urge you to go on Roman, I'd rather Rome, R-O-M-E, RomeLifeForum.com. You can listen to all the talks, the Q&A sessions, and I, 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 I don't only recommend them, I beg you to listen to them. They're fabulous, they're current, they're right on and they give us direction. They're outstanding. RomeLifeForum.com We'll be right back, and at the end of the second break, we'll take your calls, your texts, your emails, and you're able to call. You're welcome to call in with anything on your heart. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, 
We must live as if it were true. Join us here on the Station of the Cross for the Liturgy of the Hours at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with the Office of Readings read at 3 o'clock. In the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus tells us, Where two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Liturgy of the Hours is also known as the Divine Office and is the daily prayer of the Church. So you know you'll be uniting your prayer with priests, religious, and laity throughout the world. It's comprised of small reflections, readings from sacred scripture, and writings from saints and theologians. To learn more about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. That's thestationofthecross.com. Pray with us each day at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. I'm thrilled to be with you. We have another, oh, uh, let's see, I think um, 12 minutes before our next break. And I'd like to just continue reading the end of Bishop Athanasius Snyder's wonderful talk on the Rome Life Forum. And where we left off yesterday, Bishop Snyder says, Our time is today, today, beloved. Our time is marked by an unprecedented and widespread liturgical and Eucharistic crisis due to the practical negligence of the truth that the Eucharist, the Holy Communion, is the treasure of the altar and of ineffable majesty. Therefore, the following admonitions of the Council of Trent remain relevant today more than ever. And I'll I'll quote Bishop Athanasius' quote. No other action taken by faithful Christians is so holy and so divine as this tremendous mystery in which each day that life-giving host by which we were reconciled with God the Father is sacrificed by priests to God on the altar and it is equally clear that you must use every effort and diligence for it to be celebrated with the greatest purity an inner transparency, and an outer attitude of devotion and piety. Session 22 of the Council of Trent. Um, it's painful reading these words because since we've had communion in the hand, um, I don't think the atrocities would be happening today in the midst of this coronavirus had we not had communion in the hand. Um, communion is being served in uh, latex gloves on trays in baggies. Uh, people are taking the, uh, the the sacred hose from the priest's hands and putting it in their mouth. 
it's it is such a desecration such an abomination it's it would be better for us to not receive the eucharist that's what this is my conclusion not bishop snyder's my conclusion than to be so irreverent to desecrate god to treat god in such a way bishop snyder says this divine majesty present in the mystery of the most holy eucharist however is a hidden majesty under the eucharistic species is the hidden god of majesty saint peter julian amard a modern apostle of the eucharist spoke notably on the truth of the hidden majesty of christ in the eucharistic mystery he left us admirable reflections such as this one we have his whole nine volume set if you've never seen it uh, it's just beautiful. Um, it just uh, little books. They're small, um, five by six, or very small, but nine volumes of them. They're wonderful. And now quoting uh, Saint Julian Amard, Jesus with a veil covers his power because otherwise I would be afraid. He covers with a veil his holiness, the sublimity of which would discourage our few virtues. A mother talks to her child in a childlike way down to his level. In the same way, Jesus makes himself little with the little to elevate. He makes himself little with the little to elevate them to himself. Jesus hides his love and warmth. His ardor is such that we would be consumed if we were exposed directly to its flames. The fire is consuming. God is a consuming fire. In this way, the hidden Jesus strengthens us against our weaknesses. This darkness of the hidden majesty requires of us a very worthy sacrifice, the sacrifice of our intellect, We have to believe, even against the testimony of our senses, against the ordinary laws of nature, against our own experience. We have to believe only in the mere word of Jesus Christ. There is only one question. Who is there? It is I, replies Jesus Christ. Bow down and worship him. Instead of being a test, this veil becomes an incentive, an encouragement to have a humble and sincere faith. Man wants to penetrate a veiled truth, discover a hidden treasure, conquer a difficulty. Similarly, the faithful soul searches for the Lord in the presence of the Eucharistic veil as Magdalene searched at the tomb. The Eucharist is to the soul what God is to the blessed in heaven. A truth and a beauty ever ancient and ever new, which man does not tire of scrutinizing and contemplating, just as in this world love lives from happiness and desires, so also the soul is happy and desires happiness through the Eucharist, the soul eats and is still hungry. Only the wisdom and goodness of our Lord could invent the Eucharistic veil. It's from 
St. Julian and Mars, the real presence, a Eucharistic meditation. And then the same saint, uh, St. Julian and Mars, left us profound reflections about the worship of the Eucharist. Beloved, this is a little time of devotion for me to read these things. I pray that, I, I pray for your bishops, beloved. Pray for your bishops that they would go back to reverence and lead the flock of God in reverence. Um, St. Julian Amard, 1938, not that long ago, he said, I have loved the beauty of thy house. That's from Psalm, um, Psalm 25. One day, a woman, a good adorer, came to Jesus to adore him. She brought with her an alabaster box full of precious ointment, which she poured upon his feet to show her love for him and to pray and to pay honor to his divinity and sacred humanity. To what purpose is this waste, said the traitor Judas. This ointment might have been sold for much and given to the poor. But Jesus vindicates his handmaid. What this woman has wrought is a good work. And wheresoever this gospel shall be preached, this also which she has done shall be told in praise of her. This gospel incident may be applied to the Eucharist. Our Lord is in the Blessed Sacrament. To receive from men the same homage he received from those who had the happiness of coming close to him during his mortal life. He is there to give everybody the opportunity of offering a personal homage to his sacred humanity. Were this the only reason for the Eucharist, it should make us very happy. For the Eucharist enables us as Christians to pay our respects to our Lord in person. This presence is the justification of public worship as well as the life of it. If you take away the real presence, how will you be able to pay to his most sacred humanity the respect and honor which are its due? As man, our Lord is present only in heaven and in the most blessed sacrament. Through the Eucharist, we can draw near to the living Savior in person and see him and converse with him. Without this presence, divine worship becomes an abstraction. Through this presence, we go straight to God and approach him as during his mortal life. How unfortunate it would be if in order to honor the humanity of Jesus Christ, we were obliged to go back 18 centuries that is all very well for the mind. Now it's more than that. Now it's um, 20 centuries. That is all well for the mind, but how pay, how pay an outward homage to so distant a past? We would content ourselves with giving thanks for the mysterious, for the mysteries without actively participating in them, but with the Eucharist we can actually come and adore him. Like the shepherds, we can prostrate ourselves 
before him. Like the Magi, we need no longer regret our not having been present at Bethlehem or on Calvary. The quote goes on. It's a very beautiful reflection. Um, We say, some of us, I'll just say this as a little aside, we say, some of us, how I wish I would have been uh, with those disciples when Jesus walked the earth. But you see, we have what those disciples prior to our Lord's resurrection and the coming of the Holy Spirit did not have. We have what they did not have. We have God indwelling us, the indwelling Holy Spirit, the third person of the Blessed Trinity, indwelling us through baptism and the sacraments. We have God. They did not. They did not. And we have more than them. That's why they kept turning from God. That's why three times Jesus told them he was going to the cross, and they just didn't get it. They didn't get it. That's why Peter at the last said, get the... uh, 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 how, what, what were, I remember our Lord's words, get thee behind me, Satan, because he wanted to stop our Lord from the cross. You see, if you were there with Jesus, you would believe more than the disciples, not because you had the physical body, but because you had the Holy Spirit, God himself within you. The quote from uh, St. Julian Amard continues here. On the day of judgment, we shall have the right to say to our Lord, we visited thee not only in the poor, but in thy august person itself. What will thou give us in return? Worldly people will never understand this. Give and give a lot to the poor, they say. But what good is it to give to churches? All this lavish expense on altars is wasted money. That's what the unbelievers would say. That is the way to become Protestant. No, the church wants to have a living worship because she possesses her living Savior on earth. Is not that worthwhile? But it's not all. To give the Eucharistic Jesus is a consolation and a joy, as it is also a need. Oh, there's so much more here, beloved, and I won't go on. We will go to your calls and emails following the break. Go to RomeLifeForum.com and look up every single talk, and you'll be able to read them yourself. Toll free, our number is one 877 511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com We'll be right back. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. 
LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Jesse Romero. I'm a retired Los Angeles cop. I'm a Catholic lay evangelist. You probably hear me Monday through Friday at the Terry and Jesse show. My new show on spiritual warfare is called Jesus 911. Every Saturday at noon. That's a soul patrol Catholic program where three cops on fire with our Catholic faith. You can hear this program around the world on the iCatholic radio app. Jesus 911. Saturdays at noon here on the Station of the Cross Radio Catholic Network. God bless you. Keep the faith. Hi, this is Terry Barber from the Terry and Jesse Show. Every week we bring you the gospel with clarity and charity. We want you to know Jesus and his bride, the church. If you have any questions about the faith or what is happening in the church, be sure to tune in each week. We love it when you join the conversation at 888-526-2158. It's the Terry and Jesse Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Heard around the world on the iCatholic radio app. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live. This is our half hour together, and you're welcome to call in with anything at all on your heart. Toll free call or text at one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three, or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, I'd like to go back to an email we already answered yesterday from Marissa. Marissa, excuse me. Oh, pardon me. Marissa was bullied in a Catholic, um, well, as a youth. She was scandalized and bullied by a Catholic youth organization that she was a part of and wanted to be a part of. She's grown now and married and has two children. They're six and eight, uh, six and four right now. But she's concerned um, that when they get older, six or eight years from now, that they might be bullied as she was. And she wants to avoid that. And yesterday I recommended, Marissa, that uh, you would uh, not, you would, you would check out these groups before you would send your children to them. You'd get to know the leaders, you'd get to know the activities and all of that. And if they're not thoroughly Catholic, and if there are uh, virtues and attitudes that are against the faith, you don't want to send your children there. You want to know where you're sending them. Um, but I, I wanted to uh, revisit your, your email on bullying because I didn't even address the bullying issue. I addressed the fact that you need to be in charge of where your children go. Just as if someone sent them to a Catholic school, that parent needs to know who the teachers are, whether they're Catholic or not, has to see the curriculum, has to check everything out before you're going to turn your child over to the world. And so um, I, uh, it, you reminded me yesterday, Marissa, of 
one of my favorite, favorite poems. When I was 12 years old in the sixth grade, um, I, 11 or 12, I don't quite remember, um, we were given an assignment to memorize and recite a poem that we would choose. And I chose, I don't know if I was given it or I chose it, but the poem that I memorized and recited was If, I-F, by Rudyard Kipling. And I mentioned that as far as my memory serves me, which is not very far, this has to do with bullying. I think he was short and picked on by the kids and all of that. And either his father wrote this or he has a son that was bullied and he wrote this for his son. Um, I'd have to look up the the origin of this, but it's truly wonderful. And for all of us, whether we're a young child being bullied or um, or we are uh, a grandparent, uh, this is for all of us. It's wonderful. And I'll go ahead and, and uh, I'm going to read it now because it's been a long time since I memorized it. Um, and and it uh, it reads like this. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too, if you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or being lied about, don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good or talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two impostors just the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools, if you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss, if you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve your turn long after they are gone and so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. This is the end of it, beloved. The last stanza. Listen to this. It's beautiful. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue, or walk with kings, nor lose the common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you, but none too much, If you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distant run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it and which is more. You will be a man, my son. I think every parent should read that and learn it and give it to their children to read and learn and why not memorize it. I think everyone should do that. Um, We have just a minute um, before the break, or two minutes. I want to give you, um, here it is, just a little background on Rudyard Kipling. Um, 
He was an English poet who lived from 1865 to 1936. He wrote many children's stories. Um, uh, the, the one line in that poem, if you could meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same, that line is written on the wall of the player's entrance at Wimbledon. Um, okay, but I wish someone... Uh, let me just see one more um, the uh, that had the the occasion for this being written uh, because I think again it was a bully a bullying situation. Uh, let me just see. Oh dear, I shouldn't look up things while I'm alive. It takes up too much of our time. I'm so sorry. Okay. Um, no, I'm not going to get to it. Here, I, let me just look. Um, Let me just see here. No, I'm not going to get it. Okay, I'll go. To, I'll go. It's not being fair to you. Not taking your calls and emails. I will go uh, to your to your emails. You could look it up. Rudyard Kipling, K I P L I N G. I think every one of you should look it up and read it and read it to your children, especially your children being bullied or if they have been, uh, or for you. Um, they're not going to understand it if they're very young, straight out, but you can help them with it. You can explain it, and you could look it up online, If, I-F, by Rudyard Kipling, and there's explanations of it, analysis, teaching. It would be a wonderful thing. Um, We have an email from uh, Alexander, and he says, Hi, Mother Miriam. If you need to do further research on this question, I totally understand. I'm someone who has converted to communion on the tongue recently, thanks to your show, Blessed Be God. But I was wondering where the norm of communion on the tongue came from. Um, okay. All right. We'll answer that when you come back from the break. When we come back from the break, beloved, call in with anything on your heart, toll free, one 5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back. We stand at a crossroads in history. We can stand up for life, family, and a Christian culture, or we can stand idly by while the fabric of society becomes fundamentally anti-life, anti-family, and anti-Christian, slowly leading to its own demise. LifeSite News is the leading defender of life, family, and Christian culture. Through our news reporting, we seek to educate readers with information and zeal. They need to fight the most crucial battles of our day. And we need your help to continue that mission. You can support LifeSite News by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Another way to support LifeSite is to prayerfully consider becoming a Sustained Life monthly donor to help us continue to save lives in the culture. To donate, visit give.lifesitenews.com forward slash sustain life. 
Our staff of over 40 and millions of future generations, thank you for helping to save the culture. Are you ready for full contact Catholicism? This is Jesse Romero from the Terry and Jesse Show. Each weekday, we're talking about the things that matter to Catholics, spiritual warfare, Marian devotion, tradition, and staying strong in your faith in this culture of death. I hope you'll join us. Give us a call during the show at 888-526-2151. It's the Terry and Jesse Show, 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific, heard around the world on the iCatholic Radio app. The Station of the Cross thanks our supporters who have enabled us to broadcast Catholic programs for more than 20 years. As a nonprofit lay organization financially independent from your diocese, our apostolate is listener-supported. Through your generosity, we are able to inspire countless listeners with the gospel message and help lead them to a parish to be spiritually nourished by the sacraments. Thank you for your continued support, and may God bless you and your family. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live um, and we are in the middle of an email of someone that has uh, changed. Um, holding, hold just a moment here. Um, okay, I need to. I I do need to do the the norm of the church. Alexander uh, Alexander is asking um, uh, where the norm of uh, communion on the tongue came from. It's canon law, and I'm trying to look it up uh, during the break. I've come across so many articles. It, it's the norm of the church. It's the canon law of the church, and you could look it up. You can look up canon law made easy on the Internet. You can go to Catholic.com and find it, and they'll give you the, the numbers in canon law where the norm is reception on the tongue. Um, communion on the hand is allowed. People think it's the other way around. They think the norm is communion on the hand and communion on the tongue is allowed and can be refused. Not so. Uh, the norm is communion on the tongue. And no bishop, no priest, no one has the right to refuse communion on the tongue. No one has that right. Um, and so... Um, and, and the same thing of uh, lifting, uh, Cardinal Burke told us in his talk on the Rome Life Forum that uh, no bishop or priest or anyone has the right to lift the Sunday obligation um, of going to Holy Mass. There are grave reasons why people cannot attend Mass on Sunday. They could be sick, they could be assisting someone, there could be all kinds of reasons. That's normal throughout the year without the coronavirus. But... Um, but that the mandate, the it's a law, uh, Cardinal Burke said, it's a divine law, it's one of the commandments, it's a divine law, and no human being of any stature, of any office, has the right to negate divine law. That would be putting ourselves above God. So, um, uh, again, there can be forgiveness, there can be excused, but not to lift uh, the mandate. 
that God has given. So I'm sorry, Alexander, you're right. I'd have to do some research to get the exact um, number. But you, again, you can look it up. Go to Catholic.com, go to Canon Law Made Easy, and just go to the Canon Law on the web of the Vatican site uh, and look up Communion on the Tongue. And it's, it's, it's part of church law that that is the norm. And again, no one has the power to refuse that. Um, we can receive on the hand, uh, but no one has the power or the right to mandate reception on the hand. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry I couldn't do better um, on that one, um, Alexander. I, I, I do need to look it up. Uh, Kurt from Boston is calling in. Hello, my brother. How are you? How are you doing? Uh, good, dear one. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. Having one battle at a time instead of trying to deal with all 50,000 of them at the same time. Um, the thing I wanted to address was that caller that called in about the bullying in the Catholic Church. I gave yes. a small example to my uh, to your screener about my grandson. And he's 16 now, but when he was going to receive his first Holy Communion, he goes to Catholic school. I says, now listen, Josh, you're going to receive on the tongue. Okay, Grampy. So when he was ready to do that, he says, Grampy, the teacher's telling me I have to receive the way she does in the hand. I says, no, you don't. So this teacher, you know, was kind of whatever. So I kind of went by, went right to the priest, and I said, listen, Father Graham. And I explained to him, he says, don't worry, Kurt, he will receive on the tongue. I says, Good. Good. So that that's just a small example. Well, we now, need you, Kurt. The example is that you speak up, and we need to not be silent. We we should be as respectful as we can, um, especially to priests. But we we should not remain silent. We should not, dear Kurt. I'm going to need to. Um, um, take the next, uh, well, actually, a text coming up, Kurt. Did you have another uh, issue or question? Yes, there was one other thing, like like you're talking about a communion on the tongue. Now, of course, I started getting an argument with two priests on how to deal with this and send letters, and I ended up going to confession because I felt I was a little cut to the priest. So, I No pun intended, confession. huh? No pun intended, but I went back to the priest for my confession who told me that, you know, they're both equal, right? And then as I'm going to confess, he goes, Kurt, are you trying to school me? I says, no, Father, I wish you wouldn't take it that way because even the other priest, well, who was on my side, took it the same way. I simply want to know this. Why is it some cardinals, some bishops, some priests say it's Canaan law? I looked it up and they said, Kurt, you can't look up Canaan Law Made Easy. I said, well, I had resources that pushed me there. But in the, in the sacrament of this confession... Well, the I'm thing is, whether, I, whether or not that site is appreciated, the Canon Law, the number of the Canon Law is cited. So you just have to go to that number. You don't have to even quote that website. What I said to the priest in confession, I said, listen, Father, I'm just trying to clarify for my own sake and for those that I have under my care. I do not want to have anyone do anything that's against God because that's our highest authority. So I said, for these sins and of all my past sins, I'm truly sorry. And that's how I left the room. Yes. You know, um, 
Kurt, you've got a wonderful heart and a good Catholic heart. I, I, I think that because you're so forceful in your presentation, um, then you've just got to know that people can take you sometimes not the way you mean it. Okay, that you've you've got to understand that not everybody can take the degree of your forcefulness. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong, uh, but that's your personality, and and it, it's it's going to offend some people. They're going to take it wrong at times. You, I think you need to accept that. Um, you're a good soul, Kurt, and I love you. Um, but know that you're going to come up against people's personalities at times. Kurt, my love, I need to go on to the text here. Uh, We have a text from someone who writes in anonymously and says, Hello, Mother Miriam, I just listened to your talk on modesty. I'm wondering if a bathing suit could ever be worn modestly. I'm not sure what to think of it all, and I just want to do what is right. Thank you. Well, it's a good question, Um, I suppose a bathing suit could be worn modestly if it's modest. Uh, a modest bathing suit is, in my mind, a one-piece bathing suit. And that uh, doesn't have to expose half the body. And so if it's one piece and um, it's, it's um, not cut too low on a woman, um, I, I suppose it could be modest. Um, you know, I uh, I know I'm a nun now, but as a Catholic, I can't even picture myself going to a, a beach. Uh, but if if there were a private pool or private area, that would be great. But even if it's the beach, I think I think we need to go back to one piece bathing suits, and um, and they there are many. I, I don't recall. I think National Wholesale Company. I'm not sure. There are some companies that have a whole line of modest bathing suits. You can find them. Uh, now, your, you and your children might recoil from them, but I don't know anything that is less than one piece covering you uh, that would be modest. So um, the minute you, you know, take two pieces or bikinis, you're you're immediately immodest. You're stripping clothes off yourself. So uh, that's what I would think. Okay, bless you, beloved. We've got a weekend before us, and it's Pentecost, the celebration of the birthday of the church, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. May God bless you and give you His Spirit in greater measure and heal this hurting land. <laughs> 